0: Hey guys, welcome to Sunday Nights at Refuge, a community-focused Bible study that gathers weekly in our Common Ground Cafe. So grab a cup of coffee or tea and your Bible. By the way, you can connect with us on Instagram at refugefamily. Now, our prayer is that Jesus would use this message to draw you closer to Him. So if you're ready, let's join tonight's study. Without further ado... You guys ready to get in the Word? Welcome, Pastor George. Okay. It's good to be back and uh, just to uh, fellowship with you and uh, share from God's Word. Like I usually say, whenever I'm here, I'm at home. And uh, I feel very much at home at at this uh, church. And in particular, this fellowship, uh, I enjoy every time I'm here. And I guess some of you uh, might have seen Friska. Uh, this is our second time to be here. That's my wife, and uh, uh, it's good to have her. Um, uh, currently, she's here with me as we are studying at Biola University. So, um, a season like this, most of us uh, become cautious of the fact that This is Christmas, and it's a time in the year when people enjoy to be together. It's one moment in life where people would want to spend time together as family, share gifts, exchange gifts, and everybody's excited. This is a moment when you expect to get a new thing. For others, I remember as a kid, as I was growing, this is the season when we were looking forward to, because every time it was Christmas period, we were assured of getting a, a new pair of shoes, a new uh, long uh, pant, shirt. So it was a time of receiving, and we were always looking forward to uh, such a moment. And I guess even here, this is a time when people would want to just enjoy receiving gifts. But so often, the whole purpose of Christmas can be wrapped up and be, I would say, uh, uh, be obscured by these activities, forgetting the purpose for why we celebrate Christmas. And we've been going through, I guess, as a church here, through psalms. Some psalms. I was asked to look at a psalm that uh, speaks or fits... In this season of Christmas. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. What I'll be doing, uh, we'll be looking at some parts of this psalm. I'll try by all means, not going verse by verse, but I'll be taking some uh, verses, put them together, and make some comments as we go through. Um, So we see in this psalm, Uh, A psalm of David, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning The dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sown and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, feeding, feeding them with corpses, He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his herd. David, like other Old Testament writers, had no clue or clear understanding of the meaning or the implication of his words. They are the limited insight, if you like, of what, how it would unfold in history. And as they spoke these words, moved by the Spirit of God, they didn't have the privilege that you and I have today, where we are looking at everything, having a complete canon. We can see prophecy being fulfilled in our time, and some of it is yet to be fulfilled. They never had this privilege as they spoke these words. As David is declaring these words, led and moved by the Spirit of God, he may not have had full understanding of what it was all about, how it was going to, fulfill, to be fulfilled. This psalm presents to us the person and the offices of Jesus Christ as priest and king. And we see there what is presented before us in verse 1 is the person of Christ. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David starts off by quoting the very words of God as he was Led by the Spirit of God to speak. He says, The Lord, there, the Lord, if you have your Bibles, you are going to notice it's in the capital, capital letters, indicating it's Yahweh speaking, Jehovah God speaking. He says to my idol eye, my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And that is in reference to Christ. And so he's saying the person of Christ, he did not just come and start off by being born as a baby like we celebrate this time of the year in a manger, being born and being celebrated. Is illustrating to us the fact that all about his humanity was that which the Lord himself declared and uh, talked about, and it was prophesied. And the idea of him being a person, being human, was being prophesied. And there is indicating the fact that David presents to us a conversation as it were. He heard as God was speaking to his son, God uh, the son. The Lord says to my Lord, this is Yahweh, Jehovah the Father, and my Lord, the Son of God. So David acknowledges Jesus to be his Lord. And so he's speaking to him that he may take his position until his enemies are brought under his feet. You must appreciate the fact that most Jews in the time of Jesus so knew this psalm to be a messianic psalm, but they did not understand the nature and mission of this messiah. They saw a human messiah, a descendant of David. But literally they know that this one was there before time, that he was indeed God himself. And so Jesus is being referred in this psalm as the Lord who is being asked to sit at the right hand of Yahweh, God the Father. And Jesus cites this very passage when he's talking to the Pharisees. We see this in Matthew 22, verse 41 to 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David? David? They replied, he said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, verse 44, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies under your feet. Verse 45, if then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? We are told in verse 46, no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And Christ is demonstrating, he is quoting the very psalm. That if surely he is the son of David, he is a messiah, a human messiah that you're expecting. But how is it that David would call him my Lord? Christ is claiming deity, he is claiming being the Son of God, he is claiming to be the Messiah, sent of God, and he is claiming pre-existence before the story of Christmas in the manger. And so Christmas does not start in a manger in the sense that Jesus starts to exist there. It starts with the fact that God becomes man. God became man. He took on our nature so as to reach out to us, so as to bring salvation to man so as to bring redemption. And Jesus claims his deity again as he speaks in John 10, verse 36. He is again claiming the fact that he did not just appoint himself. He was sent of God and he was consecrated, if you like. He was anointed by the Spirit of God and he was sent by God as the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And so as we think about Christmas, as we celebrate, we need to have this in mind that God had to take upon himself human nature so as to reach out to us. As we celebrate, we should be thinking of what it took for the Lord to empty himself of everything so that he may become like you except for sin. Though he was man, he committed no sin. And so we need to appreciate the this love demonstrated to us. Not only is he human, we can also appreciate in his humanity the aspect that Christ was also king. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. We can see in verse 2, in verse 2 there, that Christ would reign over his enemies and you would reign over them. And so David, as he is speaking these words, he is speaking a prophecy concerning the Messiah. It's all about Christ as he would come here on earth even to provide salvation for mankind. And we see, but Yahweh will extend his Reign over all his enemies by force. There will be resistance, like we see in Psalm 2, where others would oppose his reign. But it is encouraging to note, David is saying, God the Father, the one who sends this Messiah, will force his reign. All his enemies will be brought under the rulership of the Lord Jesus, the prophesied Messiah. And so Yahweh will extend it by force with the Messiah at the head of a might army. And we see that even in Revelation 19, verse 11 to 21. In this psalm, we see Yahweh, or Jehovah, is presented as the might warrior who battles for his people. Yahweh, the Messiah, the one that reigns, For him, and extends his rule, is the might warrior who cannot be challenged. And so we see, he's being presented as king. We have seen the fact that he's human. He took on the nature of man so that he may reach out to us. We have seen the fact that he's reigning. Not only is he king, but Jesus is presented in this this psalm as the priest who intercedes for his people. Look at verses 4 coming down. The Lord has sown and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We see Christ here taking on the role of a priest. And Jesus demonstrates a big difference in his ministry as a priest. The Jews, during the time of Christ, expected a Messiah who would conquer and who would reign and bring back the lost glories of the time of David when he reigned as king. They did not understand the work and ministry of the Messiah as a priest. They were looking for somebody who would win victory for them. But we see in these words of David that this Messiah to come you will not only reign as king, you also function as a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek as you have noticed in scripture, some of you know, he lived during the time of Abraham. He was both king of Salem and priest of the most high God. As a priest of God most high, he blessed Abraham and the Lord for the victory that was given to Abraham over his enemies. And Abraham, we are told, gave an offering or a tithe to this very priest, Melchizedek. And so we are told that Jesus takes on the order of the priesthood like we see in Melchizedek. The writer of the Hebrews continues to expand this idea of Psalm 110 verse 4. He presents Christ to be the type. Sorry, he presents Melchizedek to be the type of Christ as the high priest, who would not go in the holy of holies to offer sacrifices of animals like the other priests were doing. But this one would be different. He would enter once and for all, not offering animals, but offering himself for the sins of the world. And this is what makes Christmas to be different. It's not just a celebration, a time, a holiday to enjoy, to marry, to rejoice of all the good things that we have as we spend time with friends. No, it wasn't just about enjoyment. Christ came that he may redeem us as a high priest He did not offer animals like other priests were doing before him, but he offered himself once and for all for the redemption of man. And so Jesus entered once and for all and offered himself as a high priest, even to bring about salvation to us. You can only appreciate his ministry as a priest if you understand The servant Messiah, or the servant uh, we mentioned in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Once you appreciate that, then you'd appreciate the ministry of Christ as a priest, even for the people of this world, as he offered himself once and for all for their redemption. And so we are able to receive forgiveness of sins through Christ's ministry as a priest. Christ's priesthood has opened the way for us. Even as we celebrate Christmas, we can be assured that Jesus has opened the way through his sacrificial death on the cross for all those that come to him for salvation. If we call on him, the Bible says, we shall be saved. He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, as we are told in Hebrews 9, verse 26, he offered himself once for all at the end of the ages to put away the sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so Christmas speaks about the birth of Christ coming in form of a human being, but it doesn't just end in the manger. It speaks of Christ offering himself even for the sins of the world. And we can appreciate even the ministry of Christ as a priest. Like I've mentioned, he offered himself once and for all. And we see in this psalm that Christ is presented both as king and priest. He reigns for Yahweh, and at the same time, he functions as a mediator between man and God to atone for man's sins. The role of the Messiah can be appreciated when we understand, like I said, the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. He bore our sins and carried our iniquities. And Paul makes it very clear, as he says, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for men. And it's only Christ who stands between man and God. There is no one who can come to the Father except through him as the mediator. The blessed gift that man can have during this season is the gift of eternal life that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ has opened the way for, by offering himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. You don't need to bring any gift to the Lord like we do during this season where we exchange gifts. You need to come as you are, offering yourself, acknowledging the fact that you are a sinner. And Christ offered himself for your redemption. As you come to him, the Lord says, anyone who calls on his name shall be saved. And so there is no need for you to do anything to change yourself in order for God to to accept you. You need to come the way you are with all your failures, your weaknesses, your sins and lay them at the feet of the one who went to the cross on your behalf. And we see Christ, not only did he triumph over death, we see him Ascending and sitting at the right hand of the Father in glory. And that's a powerful uh, uh, line that David brings across. It demonstrates Christ having accomplished his ministry, having finished his work on the cross of Calvary, having done and it was finished, he ascended and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, demonstrating all his mission is done, is finished. And even his enemies have been defeated. Victory is unfolding. And the time will come when all his enemies will be put under his feet. He will never go back to the cross. He will never go back to fight, to win the victory. It's done. It's a done deal. And for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a done deal. You can be assured of eternal life. You can be assured of being with the Lord forever, even in this life. Why? Because Christ has done it all. You don't need to do anything to win the favor of the Lord. And so we see Christ has won the victory. And this is what gives us assurance. That not only has he given himself as a sacrifice for our redemption, but Christ continues to function as a priest for his people, as a high priest. He intercedes for his children. He intercedes for the saints. He intercedes for you. And he continues to do so even at the right hand of the Father. And the church is assured of victory on that day. When he appears not to save, but to ransom, to take his charge, to be with him. But for those that are not in Christ, it will be a different story because he will come to judge those that are not even in Christ. Look at the words in verse 5 coming down there. The Lord is at the right hand. You shatter kings on the day of his wrath. You execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. You shatter chiefs over the whole earth. You drink from the brook, by the way. Therefore, you lift up his herd. We see here a demonstration of there is a time when everybody will be subjected to the reign of Christ. Even those that may resist him and resist his reign, a time will come when all will be under the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ. And scripture tells us that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There may appear at the moment, there may be kings and rulers who think they are in control. They can do as they please. Maybe you are here, you think you are in control of your life. You might have been listening to the gospel being preached. Like Christmas, you are being reminded you need to surrender yourself to the Lord and to the Lordship of Christ. And you pay no attention. You say, I'm in charge of my life. But scripture tells us a day will come when all will be under his rulership and no one will resist the rulership of Christ as king. And on that day, if you do not submit now by giving yourself to him as Lord and Savior, on that day you'll be made to confess him. Not as your Savior, but acknowledging as Lord, Judge, over your life but as we celebrate christmas it's a good reminder that jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly and i would want to encourage us of the fact that as christ has done this work what should be our response for us who are here and who may not be christians I just want to remind you that the coming of Christ was not by accident. It was prophesied, it was planned by God even before the foundations of this earth. And Christ comes to unfold that plan and he has come, he has done it and the way is open for you. John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the Messiah of God, the king and priest. We is come that we may have life. And this is the one David is declaring to us, who was talked of, come, take your position at the right hand of the Father. He is there because he has triumphed over all his enemies. And he's finished the task. He's finished the work. When he returns, he will come to take his own to be with him. I would want to exhort you, as you celebrate Christmas, don't miss out the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas is God becoming man. It's God taking your position. It's God standing In your gap as it were. It's God taking your condemnation. It's God bearing your sins. It's God becoming man for your sake. That's the story of Christmas. That you may have life and have it more abundantly. This is the Messiah of God. King and priest. He does not want just to reign over the nations of the world. He wants to be Lord of your life, to reign. And when you make him Lord of your life, you'll never be disappointed. He's a good shepherd. He knows how to lead his people. He intercedes for us, and he is not completely divorced from us. Scripture says, "Lo, I am with you to the close of of the age. He is not there completely suspended as he is interceding, but he is right here with us by his spirit. And he can be your friend, he can be your Lord tonight, and Christmas will make a huge, huge difference in your life. And to my fellow Christians, I want to bring this exhortation. As we serve bread, as we ponder on this Messiah who came, let's be motivated to appreciate him, to worship him, for living and emptying himself of everything but love, coming and living all the glories, all the beauties he had known from eternity to eternity, But coming here on earth, taking on human nature, suffering for the things he did not do, yet he was willing for your sake and mine. What should be our attitude and response towards him? We should be filled with gratitude, with worship as we celebrate Christmas. We should not be As it were, be blinded by these gifts and forgetting the real gift of Christmas with our Savior, the Lord Jesus. I want to encourage you, as you celebrate, remind family members who may not be Christians of the real gift of Christmas with Jesus. Even the Savior of the world. But again, a reminder is that you come the second time to take his people to be with him forever, but at the same time to bring judgment to those who do not know him. To those who have rejected this gift that he's offering, even to them that cry out to him for salvation. There's a day of judgment when the same Christ will come not to save, but to judge. Again, I want to reiterate, the best gift you can ever have this Christmas is to experience the forgiveness of your sins. There's no big sins. There is no small sin. There is nothing that can never be forgiven when you come to the cross. Why? He paid it all. And that's the story of Christmas. Man, God becoming man. Becoming king and becoming priest. And he continues to hold those offices for the church, for you and me. May the Lord bless us as we worship him and celebrate him with gratitude for what he has done for us. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for this season of Christmas. We pray that we may not forget the real meaning of Christmas. Thank you that, Jesus, you were willing to leave all the glories. You came and took on yourself the human nature and went to the cross that we may have life. We thank you for the gift of eternal life that is found in you. And we thank you that you are extending it to all those who will call upon you, and they will receive that gift. Thank you tonight that we can remind each other of the true meaning of Christmas. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel, Huntington Beach. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com or call 714-891-9495. Set free my heart, set free my soul. I don't want to be a prisoner no more. Unlock the door that holds me in. This is the day that life begins. Set free my heart, set free my soul. I don't want to be a prisoner no more. No more. Unlock the door that holds me in. This is the day that lies.